0: Welcome to Photo Mission Exposure, discussing photography, where we talk one-on-one with photographers. Come join us. Welcome to this edition of Photo Mission Exposure, the podcast for photographers. On this episode, the photographer we speak with developed a love of imagery from a very early age. She was fortunate enough to travel extensively with her family and they documented with the family camera even though she wasn't responsible, directly responsible for those images, but it did kind of start, I suppose, the spark for photography that would grow. Her real passion grew when she jumped in the water with a camera and started documenting what was under the surface. It's fantastic that we have photographers who, who will do that and, and bring those images to us because a lot of us never actually get to experience or see those sights under the ocean, which are quite amazing, and, and the range of animals that live there. Her passion... Is quite infectious for her love of all things, the ocean, and protecting it. And like I said, once, we, once you start listening to her story, you'll understand her passion and why she does what she does. Recently winning a major international award. So let's learn more about our guest photographer today on this episode. Our photographer is Jasmine Carey.
1: Hi, I'm Jasmine Carey, and I'm an underwater photographer.
0: So Jasmine, when did you first... When did the passion or the interest in photography, what, what age did that start?
1: Oh, I think I was from a very young age. I was always envious of my uncles taking photos all the time and my parents, I was lucky enough to have a travelling family. Dad worked around the world all over the place and we were always having to take those really annoying photos, just stand there and squint and <laughs> smile and all of that would happen. And, but I was never allowed to touch the camera because it was too precious. Yes. Yeah, and to finally be able to actually take a picture and not drop it um, was really great. Um, But then I didn't really, other than the weekends and on holidays as I grew up, Um, I always wanted to take those magazine pictures. Yes. And they never really turned out like that.
0: So was it more of the wildlife stuff or or what type of pictures? No, it was just
1: holiday travel destination, buildings. We didn't really, as a family, we didn't really go out and see much wildlife. It was more cities and deserts and, I guess, jungles, um, but not really animal orientated. Yeah,
2: yeah. Sorry.
1: but that came they came a lot later. Like watching animals on TV was a big thing for me, but actually going to zoos or that came a lot a lot later.
0: Yep so what age did you kind of own your first camera that was your camera that you were, you were allowed to shoot with?
1: Oh um, I did get a disposable camera. yeah. I think it was about age nine, 10. yeah. Yep. My very first camera that I had though was um, a play school one. And when you press the button, bubbles came out. <laughs> <laughs> that was my very first one. Excellent. Yeah. So
0: yeah. that's probably worth a lot of money now if you, <laughs> if you know where it is. <laughs> probably a collector's item.
1: It'd have to be somewhere around. Yeah.
0: Yeah so, yeah. so that was, I mean, I think travel is one of those things that primes people. Like travel and photography are just things that just go hand in glove. They just mm-hmm. they work so well together. And I think that's, and I think sometimes people, when you travel, you want to share. That experience of other people and, and photography allows you to share that
1: yeah I think with especially with my family I think it was more like record keeping or that's what it felt like yeah we had one person in the family that was almost always the designated photographer at parties or gatherings yes. and it was to show the other family members what we were up to and what we had been not necessarily like anyone outside the family yeah um but when I finally got my own camera was when I started diving, but that was still more terrestrial rather than underwater. I was too nervous to be able to take underwater photos. Yes. Everyone I saw diving with underwater photos, they just looked so awkward and they were always missing out on the animals because they'd be swimming off or anything like that. So yeah, I just thought it just looked too uncomfortable. Yep, yep. Yeah.
0: So so what age was that? How old were you then when you kind of started diving?
1: I started diving twenty two, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And that and that started to give you a new appreciation of of the world because obviously what's under the water is very different to what's above the water.
1: Yes, for sure. Um, a lot, when I started diving, people were always asking me, like, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to put yourself in such danger? Because yeah. there's no air. Was there, like, <laughs> there's, like, there's no air. Why do you want, and there's, to, there's, do you want to do there's that? There's
0: creatures down there that want to eat you. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and you never know, what does it feel like? You must be like they must think you're in some sort of dark room, abyss and, you know, totally vulnerable, yes. you know, their their sense. But it's... Trying to explain to them that it's how time stops and how magical it is and every time you dive is different. You never know what's going to come and what you're going to see. And and the easiest way for me, I thought, was to be able to take pictures and to show them.
0: Yes. I mean, the ocean's one of those places where you, where it's kind of like a, a transient population mm-hmm. because it's always moving, isn't it? Like yes. I mean, you can dive in the same spot and see totally different yes. creatures. Yes. And it depends on the time of the year and mm-hmm. how warm the water is and yeah. and those yeah. types of things. So, so like you said, it is like if you go to your popular landscape spot and look at the lookout, other than a little bit of subtle light changes, it's going to be pretty much the pretty same. Pretty much
1: the same, yeah. yeah. And when you're doing landscape shots, you're pretty much just looking at the landscape. You're not really seeing if there's like a little critter coming past or any, or trying to recognise whether if that's critter's come back again and again. Yeah. Um, you're looking at the overall scope, whereas under the water, you do have like your pommie as a landscape, but then I guess the vegetation there is the animals and that's always different.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think that would be, for underwater photographers, it seems to be one of the things that's a hook for them that they like to. Yeah,
1: that's another challenge for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of divers out there that do get really disappointed, like when they go diving and they go, I didn't see that shark everyone was talking about. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, because it's probably swimming around over there.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, the ocean's such a big place. So, I mean, it's kind of like, again, I know every time there's a kind of a search and rescue and someone gets lost at sea, it's quite a challenge because people underestimate the whole scope of things. Like, it's just an enormous area.
1: Yes. And the visibility too. The shark probably was there, but it was just always out of range. Yeah, and And that's that's
0: the thing. Like, underwater, obviously, yeah, visibility is very different. You know, on a clear day, you can see. Mm-hmm. For a long way, but underwater,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: you do have a limitation on how far the light's going to travel and how far you can actually see. Yeah,
1: which I'm I to me it makes it even more exciting because you just never know what you hope for particular things but you just never know. And then when you do get to see something really, it's always really special because you never know when you're going to see that again.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, you may never see it again too. Like yeah. that, those events, like sometimes the interaction of animals, so you have that one-off interaction where mm-hmm. two animals are interacting that don't normally and you like enough to, to capture it, Yeah, um, you, you may never see it again in a, yeah. Li- in a lifetime.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I'm very excited, especially when we finish the dive because I guess being under the water for an hour or so, having to be quite quiet, I guess those that know me when I finish the dive, I'm just overly excited and I'm just – Shouting and yep. seeing how wonderful that is, and oh my God, did you see that like for the last ninety minutes or so? I'm catching up on conversation <laughs> did you see that, and we're going to do that no. <laughs>
0: exactly and and that'll bring me back to look I, I listened to a recent interview you did, and you were saying that you know sometimes it's so amazing underwater, you jump in there with your camera, but you almost forget to take pictures <laughs> yes' you get yeah, because it's just so so exciting what you're seeing and all that type of stuff, and, yes. So you kind of, you know, explain, I suppose, for people, I mean, for people who've never had the opportunity, I suppose, to dive, Mm -hmm. how would you explain it if you were trying to explain what your eyes are seeing underwater?
1: Well, I guess there's so much about the underwater that hasn't been documented and hasn't been captured and you just hear bits and pieces like I'm being lucky enough to be able to hear things and I guess people around me, the researchers and things. And you, when you see particular behaviours or actions, you always wonder whether is that the first time anyone's ever seen it or oh my goodness, and you just never thought you'd be able to actually witness it yes. for real. And because everyone's so... I guess when we dive, we don't dive on top of each other. So we're not, you know, locked arms. There is a bit of space. So You yep. can't just tap someone on the shoulder and go, oh, my goodness, did you, see, did you that? see that? Did you see that? So you're hoping to catch someone's attention to show them what it is. Yep. But it's like you kind of freeze and you just want to be as still as you can because you don't want to interrupt what you're seeing. And you're just hoping that that moment just lasts forever because if they're doing something amazing in front of you, like what does that then lead to? What else are they going to show you? Are they just going to do that and swim off or is something else going to unfold? So you're just waiting and watching and you're just so submersed into it and everything else around you just disappears and there's like this spotlight on that one particular animal. It could be a a pelagic. It could be a little um, shrimp. Yep. But you're just lost in that moment and then someone will come and tap you on the shoulder or you'll hear something and you've got to go follow the rest of the crowd and you're like, No wait, I'm not done here yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: not done. <laughs> and that and that's the thing, look, I mean diving um adds another challenge as well because obviously there's safety concerns as well. So mm-hmm. you do and it's really easy as a photographer to get really absorbed in your what you're seeing and really I suppose, yeah. disconnect from everything yes. in the real world.
1: Especially those macro shooters <laughs> <laughs> out there because yeah. they've always got their head in some sort of little tiny crevice, crevice or yeah. something. And so they're focused on that one spot trying to get the angle shot and adjusting their lights. Yep. And um, everyone else wants to swim off and go see something else. So we really like to dive slow. Yes, and we don't mind scouring the that one rock for something because, oh, there are animals out there that's only a couple of millimeters big. Yes, yeah, and that's just absolutely amazing.
0: And I think that's that's the thing. Like underwater, is there is so many different the diversity is, of creatures living in the sea is incredible,
1: mm, Mm-hmm.
0: and. Sometimes, like you said, if people will just go to a spot and go, oh, there's nothing there, but if, if they haven't really
1: looked. Yes, that's right. And there's so many things too there that haven't been discovered yet. Yep. And that's what keeps it really interesting as well because you might have found something and captured it and it hasn't even been scientifically recorded yet. Yep. So that's that's amazing.
0: I, I yep. can just remember as a kid being in areas where there's been a lot of rock pools so the tide's out and you're walking through and thinking, but you stop at the rock pools yep. and you really start to look. And you start to understand that there's all these little things in there. Yes. And you can just walk. You can walk past and just totally miss it.
1: Yes, totally. It's a whole like um, Star Wars episode happening in front. of There's so many aliens in there that you need to look at, and whether they're furry or spiky or sluggish, yes, yeah, it's really yeah, well,
0: I mean, and some of the sea creatures move quite slowly, so they just kind of will just be there mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and underwater do you tend to i mean a lot of underwater shooters use um fairly wide angle lenses and get very close to their yeah. subjects is that the, the kind of the process that you do, or do you kind of keep back or how do you yep. how do you shoot when you're in the water?
1: um, I do like to shoot wide because um, I like to be. Be immersed into it, and I when I want to show pictures, I'd like to, other people to also feel as though they're in the water with me. Yep. Um, but I tend to, I guess, it depends if I have my fisheye on. I like to try and get as as close as I can. Is that like an eight to fifteen or eight something? Eight to fifteen. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like to get as close as I can, but still having space around the subject. Yep. because um, I think that gives more character to the behavioural or or to lead someone when they look at the picture to lead them to create their own story about what was happening. Yep. With macro, I really like doing macro, but even with the macro, I like to have some space with the macro because there's a lot of macros out there that are just the animal and it's got a black um, filter or vignette around yes. it. Um, I like to give some sort of texture as to where you can possibly find it or yep. you know where they are um, in the water. But yeah, no, I to like the wide
0: yep so composition is very important still yes. even even underwater like people probably don't think so much of it you're just trying to capture what's in front but you have really got to still compose that shot and yeah. set it set it up so like you said for the viewer yeah you can give them that extra experience
1: yeah i like to try and do that and also with um like we've been diving in so many different places um
0: but give us an ideas because i know you have been like a div- diversity of places and from cold to warm waters. <laughs> yes. What's your preference?
1: <laughs> oh, it depends on Tonka, what I provide. Water, warm
0: waters? <laughs>
1: just under the water is my yeah. preference. Yeah. I just I just really appreciate just the magic of it, the mystery of it. Well, each um,
0: each gives its own uniqueness yes each
1: location uh the grassy seaweed you know like the just the differentiation between over here is very rocky but then you can go somewhere like norway or even just southern coast where the the seaweed it's just really different and it's more leafy and more um broader leafed and that and you can find some seals or anything in there and that would be you know even more beautiful than what it is here here's big schools of fish. They've got some interesting shells, more urchins down there as well. And up here, you know, you've got a bit more pelagics, mantas. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very different and each has its own, own uniqueness. Own uniqueness.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, the sea is one of those places that people, it's often, most birds outside out of sight, out of mind, so we don't think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been diving for a number of years now, so you've seen, you know, the... The, I suppose the the beauty there, yep. but have you also seen some of the human influence of stuff that we don't really want in the sea, but ends up in the sea? Have you kind of seen that been
1: yes happen yes, more often now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the the most frequent at the beginning of the year. The last dive trip that we had was in um, Wakatobi, and Wakatobi is known as for its macro. Not many um, big things out there, yeah, uh, but. It's really pristine. Like the, the resort there itself, the dive resort there itself, has made a lot of work with the community to stop like uh, bomb fishing and that kind of thing to disrupt um, the, the reef and the ecosystem there. Yes. But having been there, I guess, from 10 years ago to now, the rubbish that even just the plastics and that floating in the water has just gotten. So they do their just to try and clean it up. Yes. But even while we were there with the change of tides from one dive site to the next, you could see in between when the tide was changing, all the rubbish coming in. And all the rubbish going out. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And some of it
0: breaks down to incredibly small pieces. So they're oh, just...
1: incredibly small. And, yeah. and
0: and and that's obviously you know when you've got animals that kind of rely on eating plankton and other stuff. Yeah. They're scooping this stuff up. Yeah. And they're not even aware of. Yeah. It's potentially harmful for them.
1: You've got like this tiny little crayfish that's probably about five millimeters, and they're filter feeders, so they've got their furry little antennas out. Yep. In the current, trying to pick up things, and when you see them pick up like this tiny little bit of plastic, yeah, um, and I couldn't stop it because the more I tried to catch it, it was so small it kept, yes, like going in the current, and to see them pick that up, uh, I guess is yeah, it's gives, really puts it in perspective of how the wider range that it's harmful to. Yeah, well,
0: how yeah. how us I suppose how us as humans living on the planet of all those conveniences, how they're actually the impact they're having on the wildlife.
1: Yes, yes. And, and when we were walking on the beach, um, there's not many beaches in Singapore, for example, but we were going for a walk through this park and they've got this sandy beach there. I was like, oh, wow, the sand's really nice and colourful and I was picking it up trying to look at the colours going, oh, what kind of shells are these? Yes. But it's actually little bits of plastic that oh. were creating the colours in the, the sand. Sand. Yeah, that which, had been eroded by the water and everything and so they're not actually here um, like crunched up shells or anything they're just little bits of plastic a bit of plastic
0: yeah. so I think that's one of the one of the I suppose the things that photography's been fantastic for with um, the environment like documenting the environment mm-hmm. is that photographers got in the water and they've been able to photograph these creatures, yeah. but they've also been a photograph some of the obviously challenges that these creatures yeah. have as well to make us all aware. The people who kind of above the water are a bit yeah. aware of why why it's a good idea to ban plastic straws and
1: yeah. things like that. Yep, those are real, real I guess I don't know what, what you would want to call it real life or real time captures have been uh, have have had a huge impact on people. But now it's coming up to. I've seen like a bit of a, uh, I don't know whether it's a, would you an evolution or de-evolution of staged impact. Yes. Where people are planting plastics and planting just to create a capture, a dr-
0: to create some drama. Yes. Yeah.
1: And whether or not if that's going to create some sort of um, like sign blindness. Yes. Uh, for viewers, they go, oh yeah, I've seen that already, yes. or I've seen this already. I don't know how, what the impact of that's going to be because creating or capturing it in real time is one thing, but then when you start staging this kind of pollution or this kind of impact to try and create a message, yes, yeah, I'm not sure whether that's really it's, it's helping a, uh, or whether it's no.
0: I, I think it's I think it's it's not helping because I think this is what's happened in the world now. We've got so much fake news mm-hmm. that people want to get. Um, I don't know, their five minutes of fame or whatever. So they, they do something and yeah. they can't go out and do it and capture it naturally, which they could. Mm. They do it and stage it, like you said. And then unfortunately, then people then will look back at that and go, oh, well, it's, it's probably all fake. Yeah. You know, which is sad because I think that, that then sends the wrong message. It's a, yeah. it's kind of a challenge.
1: Yeah. Because at the, I got some interesting um, messages at the beginning of the um, COVID situation. Which I guess people were already preempting and I was wondering what if they were sending these kind of like who how many people were they sending these messages to? And there were messages asking, like if I they understand that we're in lockdown and we're not traveling as much, but if I happened to come across and the wording was a bit strange, happened to come across any ocean or environmental issues, particularly involving masks. Yes. Please send them through to us. Yep. I was like, Well oh. Ah. You know what does that mean? Yeah, well it's <laughs>
0: interesting. There was well, a there was a Facebook post going around which is actually showing these masks apparently washing up on the beach. And, yes. And and oh this is causing a problem. Like it was almost saying so we don't shouldn't be we wearing masks because we're hurting hurting yes. the wildlife. But I. I, I my personal thing when I saw that, I thought, mm, is this staged? I, I don't know if this is actually real.
1: Yes, that's right. And I was like, well, that's what I thought through, too when I was reading this. And it wasn't just one um, message or email. It was quite a few. Yep. It was like if I happen to come across in particular masks, so is that encouraging? Is that if someone's thought about this news item and is that encouraging people to like stage, just throw masks in the water and yeah. then take pictures of it and hopefully they're collecting it back. Yes. But – um. Yeah, I mean, even just walking around, I haven't seen that many masts just floating around the place. No, <laughs>
0: and if, if, if you look at the, I suppose if you, if you look at the pathway, how the plastics get in the ocean, I mean, mm-hmm. they start because someone drops a straw in the, in the gutter, Yeah, gets washed through the drainage system, the drainage system eventually drains into the ocean so that the pathway is kind of that way. Yeah. And it's kind of like people aren't really dropping g- masts in the gutter. Yes. So it's kind of like a bit of an unnatural progression how they actually would end up in the ocean
1: yes that's right and being um fortunate to be able to judge some photography competitions um over the years and you see the difference between a say for example in the lemba strait with the muck diving people go there just so they can find animals in waste products or your discarded shoes or anything but there's more and more photographs with animals in particular objects which you can tell I haven't been in the water for very long. Yes, yep. Yeah. Uh, or they're very clean, uh, bottle or plastic yes. bottle or something that's in there, rather than so. That is, you know, it's great that people want to try and make a statement um, through the photos that they capture. Yeah. But yeah, this this staged aspect of it is, is a bit worrying for yep. me. Do yeah.
0: Do you think photography in general has lost some of its uh, honesty?
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. The it's become more. I guess maybe with social media and stuff, it's and with um, meeting a lot of people, it's become more about the person. It's like, can you get a picture of me and this? Yes. Yep. You know, it's if you want a photo of this amazing whale in front of you. Oh yeah, but can you get me in the picture as well? Or you know, even if, if it's just when I'm when we're diving on trips, you know. If a manta comes past, can you get a picture of me and the manta? Yes. Or a lot of people have got selfie sticks out under the water. Yep. And they hadn't seen a manta before, but the one thing that they want to get is a photo of them and the manta. It's like, I think <laughs> the,
0: what's the, over West <laughs> Australia, if the, the selfie of the quokkas?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah it became a thing it became a thing and then with the kangaroos too that was a thing yeah
0: yeah i know it's strange like i said how that whole social i mean social media has changed the world yeah it's changed how people interact it's changed the way it's changed the face of photography like i mean Mm -hmm. it really has a big impact on photography and how
1: images
0: are consumed and
1: yeah and it's put a lot more people at risk like there's been a like who would have thought about like um selfie death yes yeah And um, people see a picture on Instagram and they go, oh, I can go and do that one. So they'll go and do it. You know, there was one particular one with um, a girl. She saw a picture in the report when she got interviewed after the fact because she got bitten on the arm by a shark. Yes. And she went to that spot to get a picture just like one that she saw on Instagram. Yes. But she unfortunately got bitten. And I don't know how the original photo came about, but if that is the case that people are being inspired by people i mean you get photographers get inspired through a lot of people on their way that's how you learn to mimic people's imagery and stuff yes. but i guess in that sense you're st- you're the one that's still behind the photo you're not in front of the photo you're trying to to capture a photo of yourself surrounded by by a shot pool well, by... you look at
0: all the great, all the great um photographers out there and typically it's the, the emphasis has been on the subject the the work like it's, that's that's the dominating thing it's mm-hmm. and it's almost like the photographer is standing wants to stand right back they're not actually
1: yes they're not actually in the shot
0: they're not in the shot at all so yeah. it's kind of like it's and it is look like I said it's it's a it's a crazy world and like you know how how you been surviving through the whole COVID thing because this has totally changed the way like you would normally do your day-to-day stuff. Yes,
1: yes. It's been totally different. I've been climbing up the wall (laughs) 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 to, I mean, you don't start to think that you have to be restricted to stay within 100 kilometres of your house, let alone 150. And then, you know, at least now we can travel around the state. But I mean, I've always, even when I used to work in the bank and then I used to work in a hospital, I used to be eager to get out on the weekends. Yes. Um, But now so much. But now I've appreciated the littler things as well and I've been venturing out in my backyard or in the parks around and I've managed to find some... Luckily enough to find some cute wildlife like a, a mother possum and her little baby possum, and that's given me a project to try and capture them. Yes, yep. And um, and people have liked that, which has been great. I mean, I found it really amazing because I've never seen a baby possum like that um before, and to be able to like, see them grow up over the last couple of months have been amazing, and just to have to reroute the trips. And it's given. we see it as a positive that we're able to try and get around Australia a bit. Yes. Because we're usually not here. I haven't been here during this time in the last five, six years. So we don't know what happens in Australia. (laughs) And and that's
0: what's happened. (laughs) Look, a lot of people have had to pivot their whole, I suppose, careers Mm -hmm. really at this point because they travel. And and it looks like at this stage, I mean, international travel is still going to be a little while off before. So, I mean, you guys, I mean, you've gone to... Like you said, Norway and places like Tonga and places like that, and then obviously, but the other impact is because you kind of network with people over there as well, so it's had Mm -hmm. an impact on them as well.
1: It has, it has. Like in last year, we were in well, Tonga and Norway. We were in the Middle East, New Caledonia. We went to Indonesia, and we went to the Solomons. Uh, We were only here maybe like six or eight weeks, scattered throughout the year. So we did a lot of diving and a lot of shooting then and that was great being able to network with a whole bunch of people and challenge ourselves with various projects. And I guess coming up with your own project to be able to execute or to be able to um, help other people execute their projects is great. I mean, we were just talking about it yesterday that photography is, I don't know why, but because I guess I'm very new to the industry And it always seems to me like uh, photographers are solo. They want to work by themselves. Yep. And they want to. And I'm like, well, why? You know, and, you know, being with, working with Darren and then working with some other people, we get so much more done and so much more exciting challenges to do when you're working as a team. And really you are um, as a team because you need your local guides. You need the people that know how to drive the boats. You need the local knowledge to be able to achieve the idea or vision that you have so really it it is a team um, environment yet when you look at everything it's just like one photographer goes out and succeeds in achieving this miraculous photo whereas (laughs) he's got like 20 people behind him him. (laughs) it's
0: like the big rules thing I think you see you know he's, he's out surviving in the wilderness and he's doing all the incredible stuff but there's a whole
1: just him and his there's camera. A whole,
0: there's <laughs> a whole production team behind him. So
1: Yeah. And
0: I think that's 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 the challenge. But one of the things I, I kinda of worry about because you know, you you're talking about collaborative photography mm-hmm. and, and I mean most people do start off as, as kind of the lone wolf shooters. Mm-hmm. And as they as they grow and as they realise to be more creative you actually need to collaborate and you need to bring other people into the mix to mm-hmm. to basically be able to facilitate because you'll you'll start to get ideas of what you want to shoot but you know you just can't do it all by yourself. Yes. I think one of the biggest fears I've got is that the resources that you've built up over the number of years are so those people now essentially you know trying to make ends meet
2: Yes, and
0: that those people may move on and end up doing something completely different and move away from those fields and when you do go back it's kind of like a bit like you're going to have to reinvent the wheel and find that's so i'm right. hoping that i'm hoping that people can kind of hang in there but i, I think yeah. it's going to be a challenge
1: well we find that a lot there's very um there's very low number of photographers that are full-time photographers a lot of the people that we've networked with they they actually do so photography is like their second job and so we have to it's, it's like a side hustle. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's their second wife or third husband, or you know something. It's but it's it's been like that for a while now, and so to to be able to do that is because it's either diving. They're either full time divers or expedition divers, and then they just tag on the photography or filming. Yes, like on the end. Yeah.
0: yeah. And and to kind of add on to what you do is that obviously to. To facilitate and be able to travel these places, that typically you take guests with you. Yeah,
1: and we always have guests with us. Yeah, yeah, and,
0: and and that's going to be like moving forward now. That's that's kind of going to be a challenge. How you
1: At, navigate
0: through yeah. that?
1: Well, it's been a challenge um, already trying to book on trips because we've booked on um, trips to do like with just to go out diving, but then the dive operator would would tell us like on. Oh, I don't have enough people, I have to have eight eight people or I can't go out because it's not worth it or the price has gone up yes. you know, to accommodate for having to have reduced number of guests. So even in that small scheme of things, it's already affecting um, people. But then I guess the industry has to start redeveloping and revaluing uh, the worth of the photographers and yes. what they can capture because that's, I guess, has been depleted because everybody has a camera now.
0: even yes, walks around with a phone in their pocket has a camera. <laughs> yes. So, and, and and that's the thing that f- photography has been devalued mm-hmm. because of the number of images that are captured every day.
2: Yeah,
0: and like you said, these days, to a lot of the modern cameras, even a very inexperienced person can get lucky and, yep. and get a, an amazing shot. Yeah, nine times out of ten, the amazing shots that you see, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears gone <laughs> yes. to get to that point. It hasn't just been, oh, I'm going to go out today and shoot this shot and it's going to be amazing and everyone's going to love it. Yeah. The reality is that you shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and then eventually you get to that point where you do capture something special.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, and if uh, news media is struggling at the moment, then usually photography and news media goes in hand in hand. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, and, I, and I think
0: social media... Has been it's 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 that double-edged sword for photographers. Mm-hmm. It's great when it's kind of working for you, <laughs> but the trouble is the content you're creating. That then it kind of people can get editors can get access to so much content. Why pay a photographer to go out and shoot whales when I can just get some
1: yes.
0: images? That yeah. people have shot and just posted and and use those for free. Yeah. For free, that and that's the thing. <laughs> like you know, it, it costs a lot of. I mean, come to landscape photography. If you're doing landscape photography, you can have a good tripod, a good camera, and a good couple of lenses, and you're you're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. To shoot underwater, it's a little bit different because you need a bit more specialized gear. Yeah, yeah. And you have to get there.
1: You have to get there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And all the conditions. There's so many more parameters that need to line up for you to get a for you to get a shot. Yeah, you know?
0: I mean, on a wind on a very windy day, or you can still go and do some landscape photography, mm-hmm. but it may not give you the most ideal ocean conditions to go shooting. Yeah. So yeah. you may, and again, I know a lot of times when people have tried to shoot something that you know they've gone out time after time after again and just come away with nothing because the conditions just weren't favourable.
1: Yes. So yeah. it's
0: kind of a, a those extra challenges in there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the animal that you're looking for hasn't turned up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it. So earlier this year you you had some success with a, an image that you shot. I'd like you to kind of talk about that because I think that's something, I mean, obviously you'd be incredibly proud of it, oh, of yeah. that achievement. So you just kind of let people know? Oh, what...
1: yes. It was... Um... Yeah, so I won the um, grand prize for the HIPAA awards um and that came in a really nice surprise. I guess people ask me how do I know, how did I know which picture to enter and it's like, well I haven't i'm I don't know why, but this um, competition came by, and I thought, oh yeah, it's about water, I'll give it a go maybe I should start entering some competitions it's um, not it's
0: not just some little competition <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't think it was as um, as prestigious as, as what I thought. I thought, oh, yeah, it's got a water theme and, yeah, I will try and do that. I So I just ent- entered into it and I entered an image which I did t- take recently, just the season just gone. Yeah. And when I saw it, it was – something in it about it just resonated with me and I was always thinking about that picture and I thought I'd save it for something. I'm not going to post it yet, yes, you yep. know, because I'll save it for something and then I thought, oh, okay, I'll enter it into this competition because I didn't know um, what other one I would and this is the one I liked. Yeah, um, yeah. and the day um, when I took that, it was just a wonderful day. It was windy, it was rainy and overcast and the mother was really beautiful Um being vertical, and that's not a very common position for a mum. Yep. And with her belly showing to us, she looked so vulnerable. And the calf was really young and very coy, very shy. Yeah, and it just pleasantly. And we had guests in the water just watching, and it was just really beautiful the way it unfolded. Yeah.
0: Because that's one of the challenges too. Because once you get in the water and you kind of get your position. Mm-hmm. The animals are moving around, and you can't really direct them. They're not like models. You can say, can you just slip over to the <laughs> yeah, left a little no. bit?
1: The light's a little bit more here. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So it's kind of so it's kind of like sometimes that uh, all your stars have to align. Sometimes.
1: Yes, and you've got to keep. Well, we had uh, I had four um, guests in the water with me at the time, so we all kept nice formation, and because the calf was really young, we didn't want to go too close. Well, because we didn't want to interrupt whatever behavior that was um, happening and the mum was really relaxed and yep. the baby was really relaxed and, yeah, no, it was just really beautiful. And the more we were in the water with her, she seemed to rise a little bit closer to the surface, which showed to us that she was really comfortable with us just being at that exact distance, yep. you know, not so close. We were probably about 10 or 15 meters away away from her yep. and, um, yeah, she was just really comfortable. She didn't. Really better eyelid of us, yeah.
0: So that was just one of those shots you were just, I mean, when you took that shot and you looked at the back of the camera, mm-hmm. sometimes people say they do their little happy dance. Yes. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> well, I had my fingers and toes crossed for when <laughs> I go you know, back and download in the afternoon. Yep. And it was just that whole interaction and being with, with that and calf that day was just really excited. When we got when we got back to the boat, I was, I was like, oh, my God, did you see that? That was so beautiful, the way it And then everyone And the I remembered to excited. press the
0: shutter. I got the shot. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> it was really beautiful, yeah. Because as she came up to breathe, she would stay completely vertical until her, um, the tip part of her nose was sticking out of the water. It's like she was almost um, checking the temperature because it was rainy or a bit wet. Yes, she was yeah. taking the temperature and then she would decide, okay, yeah, I'll come up and then lie completely vertical. And then she would have her breaths, and then she'd move forward a little bit, and then go back down, and then reposition herself to vertical again. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and you were fortunate enough to kind of be able to witness all that. Yeah. Unfolding. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see that image building in front of you, or did it? How did it kind of?
1: I did when, um, if at first, when we first looked, um, hopped in the water, and we found her, she did actually have her back to us. So it was just pretty much because it was a dark day or overcast day, um, you would just see the grey with the dark darkness of the blue water yes i was like oh if a bit of rim lighting would be really nice <laughs> <laughs>
0: someone quickly get a strawberry yes, in the back
1: around <laughs> the back it would be really nice you know just to separate her from the background a little bit it would be really great and then if she could turn i said we're like i'm wondering how much white because in tonga the whales are all different shades of of gray and and white the proportions are yes um, but she was really nice. She was she wasn't very too um, white patchy on her top half. Yep. She was quite solid, and but she had a really nice bright white belly. So when she slowly turned around and kept turning around, it was like, oh, that's really beautiful. Now if you can be really symmetrical, then <laughs> really <not. laughs> She had like a perfect bit of barnacles there, just under her chin, and then. Yeah, when the light, when the clouds started to separate and the light started to come through, it was like, oh, nice. Now you just hope, don't come too much through because you don't want too much backscatter if there's anything, you know, yeah. yeah. That's it because,
0: I mean, lighting obviously underwater, it's hard to control.
1: Very hard, yes. Yeah,
0: and and so you, I mean, you predominantly shoot with available light.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: So do you ever shoot with strobes or
1: anything else or Uh, lights? Only if we're going, like if I'm really doing macro, then I try to all, like with macro these days I always try and put um strobes on. Yeah. Even with a little bit of sometimes I put if we're going through a, a cave or if I know there's gonna be a a reef wall or something, then I'll have some strobes on my on my wide. Um but I really do like a valid light. And it's less for you to drag around in the water. Yes. Um but when I shoot with animals I don't generally use strobes, especially the bigger they are, um yeah, yeah no. We don't use any strobes with whales at all. No. Yeah.
0: Do you find they have a a negative impact on the on the behaviour?
1: Yeah, and I feel like you miss a lot because you can see the available light. Like you, I guess the more you shoot, the more obvious the light becomes. Yes. Um. And so it's a lot easier for me to focus where I want to go and what angle I want to do, and I can. You can start approaching. I guess your composition when you're diving from quite a distance away, you're yep. not leaving it at the last minute. I feel with with uh, strobes, it's you are leaving it to the very last minute for yep. you to be able to compose your shot yep. with the light. I and think
0: one of the, one of the things as a photographer, as you grow, you be, you you get able to read light, mm. and yeah. and once you can kind of read light and start to understand it, yeah, it it makes it easier for you to,
1: yeah. And you get more um, you get more hits um, than misses, especially with, with the the spontaneity and the more dynamic um, that you have when you're shooting wildlife, especially under the water. Yep. Um, with strobes, it's more you're looking for more stationary and a lot less movement. Yep. Yeah, because you can't really chase. After something, not that you should be chasing after something, but you can't follow something and continually flash, 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 flash. Yes, yeah, yep.
0: yeah. And look, I suppose one of the things which is we've been blessed with is with technology. Yes. The, the sensor technology and and some of the cameras now. I mean, their low light performance and even at high ISOs, is still giving amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So typically, what would, when you're going to jump in the water, what's what's in your hand? What are you taking to underwater with you?
1: I've got my five D four still. Yep. I did upgrade from. I started shooting with a D thirty, yep. which is like a little compact camera that I could put in my BCD pocket. Yep. Um, then I upgraded very quickly to uh, an M mirrorless series, and that wasn't fast enough. And then I went up to seven, and then yeah, five now. Yep. But that in my cam because I find the cam is very ergonomic. I can reach all the buttons. I can change yep. all the settings. Yep and I don't have to press so hard, um, and yeah, maybe a video light or, or strobes. Yep, so you try trying to keep it nothing. as simple as possible, really. Simple as possible, because you don't have um, time to to be, unless you want to shoot landscape, like just the bommie, and you're not really fussed about where all the animals are going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't have time to be fiddling around, you just, you just miss it. <laughs> that's it.
0: That's it. So, do you find that when I mean, obviously with the gear you have to get quite intuitive in the water so you can be mm-hmm. being able to kind of do everything by feel mm-hmm. and not have to think too much about it?
1: Yes, that's right. So when you when I see something particular that I like, it's usually from a distance and I watch it as I'm approaching and then I see whether they're going left or right, whether I should make a big you bend and then come at them from a different direction. Um, you try to predict where they're going to be and what they're going to go, and then you pick a spot and then you wait for them to enter the your composition the way you want them to. Yes. Or you just wait for them to move if you want a bit of sand um, floating about in your in shot. Yep. But yeah, on the way over to wherever I am, I'm already looking at the shade or the, the shadow cast by the bommie if there's one there, and then I'm, Flicking the dials because you can't make too much movement because they seem to um, underwater critters, especially the bigger they are, they can sense what you're doing from quite a distance.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean the vibrations underwater. I mean most of them communicate by yeah picking up that and they've got some very mm-hmm. sensitive yeah. Um, um, I mean, like, and I suppose like um, you've experienced, you know, the whale songs and all that type of stuff, and yeah how they communicate, which is quite incredible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. You can feel, because we're made up of um, 70% water as well, and I guess we're in the water at the time, the song from the whales, you can literally feel it vibrate right through your whole body and through your teeth, and it's it's like an internal massage. It it really (laughs) is. Because when you sit on a speaker, for example, the sound bounces. You can feel the sound hit you and bounce off you. Yes. Whereas in the water... You just feel that sound go straight.
0: Well, you're completely surrounded by the water, so the sound is traveling through the water. So it's yeah. like a 360 degree.
1: 360, but it, you can actually feel the vibrations and the sound go pass through your body. Yes. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah,
0: which was an, an experience that you can't get shooting on land. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You That's kind of a unique, one of the unique <laughs> benefits of, of diving mm-hmm. and shooting <laughs> in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. What, you've had some success now as a as mm-hmm. as a as a photographer and what would you give advice, would you give, say, someone who was thinking about they want to go into photography and they've particularly seen some of the shots of the whales and they've seen that underwater shot and they really like that. Is there anything yeah. that you can think of that would be useful that you might have, if you had known a while back ago, that make the pathway easier or...?
1: Oh, I think in hindsight... I guess I wish I would have had the courage to start shooting earlier. I shouldn't have been so fearful of being uncomfortable um, yep. in the water with camera gear. But I think being yeah. able to was that just,
0: was that the fear of taking not being able to get the shots? Is that what you, no. your confidence level, or was it the? It
1: wasn't. I guess well at the time it wasn't really about not being able to get a photo. It was about they just looked so awkward and they couldn't get their buoyancy right and they just looked like they were fumbling around and things were getting caught here and there and it just made their diving look so uncomfortable. But I guess you learn that with time. So I was, I think, looking back, I think, you know, I started photography when I did. I can't do anything else about that. But it gave me, I know, um, I know the animal, it gave me more time to learn about the animals more, their behaviour more, to predict their movements better. And I think that's with underwater especially, you really need that. That helps a lot to be able to know their movements. Yes, I, I
0: think re- researching your subject is just yes. quite, I mean, you're talking people who do like bird photography pick up the visual cues from from the birds of when they're going to take off and when they're going to do things, and they do some predictable yes. um, things. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you've spent some time trying to learn about the...
1: Yeah, definitely, and to know how close I can get to something without disturbing what it's actually doing um, is is also important because you don't you don't want uh, I see a lot of pictures out there that people go oh you know it looks great but it's really the animals shocked yes. or frightened or yes. you can tell that they're oh they're actually <laughs> going away they're not com- oops sorry comfortable in that particular area yes. Um, so, yeah, with a lot of uh, the whale shots too, sometimes you know that that whale's just passing by. Yes. Or just, you know, going away. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, I and you kind it. of
0: always want to be that kind of fly on the wall just to start yes. influencing it.
1: I, I like those, well, personally, I like those pictures where it feels like there's no one else there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so you've been to some amazing places already, but is there somewhere that you haven't been to that you yearn to get to, to to photograph?
1: Oh, yeah. I want to go down in Tasmania. Okay. Yeah, I want to see some southern white whales. <laughs> that's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is, and it's probably
0: it's probably one of those things that's that's going to be possible in the in the not too distant future. Not
1: too distant future, yeah. You know, and I'm not worried about the cold anymore because I've been in cold now. So yeah, yes, we've been
0: worried. in Norway. We've been
1: yeah. <laughs> and um, I'd love to go to Oman, the yep. Gulf of Oman. There's a resident pod of there's supposed to be a resident pod of um huntbacks there yeah that don't actually migrate for feeding oh, okay. or for birthing so well that's so far it's uh one of those urban myths yes yep because we've been to there my sister lives in them in dubai in the middle east so we've been there quite a bit and every time i go there i meet someone who's apparently done a lot of diving there or dive operators I'm like well oh, where is this spot and none of them have ever heard about it but then there's some people that have heard about it uh, that, you know, that I would believe. Yes. And that, hmm, so we haven't quite, but that's definitely a project to, to go to, and do that. F- yeah.
0: Sounds like a good personal project to go and document. Yeah, do- to document, document
1: that and compare. Because when we go to Norway, um, the humpbacks are feeding and the orcas yes. are feeding, whereas in Tonga they're birthing, so they're not feeding. Yep. So to be able to, um, I guess... Show what we've learnt behavioural wise in Tonga and compare them with the behaviour of two different populations of humpbacks. Yes, but similar or same behaviours. It's been really interesting.
0: So it's interesting, just so I mean, just like you know, we've we come from a diverse race of people, and people have got their their cultures and traditions and the way we do things. So you kind of see that with the the, with the whale populations around the world. Each have their own kind of little cultural.
1: Yes, they do. And it's quite, it's it's very interesting to see, especially like we've seen calves from just a couple of days old to three to four months old um, in Tonga. And then to see them like three times the size, but still act like they're a two day old calf or yes. two month old calf. Um, yeah, still feeding with its mum is really interesting. Because uh like even we get some researchers on our trips too that have say things will never happen, this never happens. It's like well, actually, we've seen that happen, yes, yeah, so that to that to me is like there's still so much to learn, and you can't really spend just one week or two weeks learning about it
0: well the o- I mean the ocean's such a big place that it really hasn't been totally. I mean, there's plenty of places on the planet above the ocean that haven't been actually documented as oh, well. Yes. So and there's so much, what, and there's more more underwater than above water. So.
1: Yes. Well, we've, a friend of ours says he's found two new species of pygmy seahorses in the last three years. Yep. So that's totally amazing. And there's lots of coastlines that haven't been documented yet and lots of places to see. Like we've been, last year we got to go to the Solomons. Like a far west part of the Solomon's where there's like nobody around, and to be able to go diving off there with huge—it's just completely untouched yep. and big fans, and oh, it was amazing. Yeah, to be able to see that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So that's a, that's.
0: A, I said, that. I suppose that's the joy of being able to go and explore these new places. Mm-hmm. Is there is there anyone that you'd love to collaborate with, um, to go on a shoot and plan a shoot with?
1: Oh, I would love to go on a shoot with David Dubois. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Jennifer. She's so um, inspiring um, to watch. We had a chat with them on the Underwater Tour um, last year and – I just don't know how he gets around still. It's so fascinating. Like he'll put on his dry suit and he'll go diving in the ice and take his photos and she'll be accompanying him and she takes amazing photos for herself too. And they're still so motivated and they still, they just want to hop in the water every other day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to see them work live and see how they process some challenges that they face and that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think when you when people have when they're passionate about what they do,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's that's what keeps people keeps driving people, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, you you find that passion. I mean, have you have you found that passion now? And that's getting in the ocean with those animals. Is that?
1: Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope so because they just yeah, I just they have such a positive um, light on things and. You know, every dive for me is a great dive, and I get excited with anything that I've seen in the water because I am consciously aware about how lucky we are to have been able to see that. Yes, and experience that. And I don't understand how it's like. Oh, it wasn't a good dive today because we didn't see this. It's like, but we saw all this other stuff. Stuff, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. the thing.
0: Look, it's about, it's about attitude and how you apply yourself to anything in life. Mm. You know, mm. what I mean, you can you can people can have um, negative experiences, you know, doing lots of different things, and it, but and then some people just go, oh well, you know, but it's still great because I did this or yes, I got to see this or yeah. something different or like yeah. you said, or...
1: and these two, um, David and Jennifer, they have uh, like a lifetime of experiences together, all the challenges and all the success that he's had, and yet he's he's not a stuck in stuck in the mud. At all. Yep. Like he's open to new ideas yep. and new concepts and new technology and he has a really great foundation about, you know, how how traditionally to take a photo. Yes. Um, but the experimental way that he's he's always a forward thinker as well, which is really refreshing too.
0: Well, it is. I mean, and and that's, the whole photography is such a creative process mm. that mm-hmm. you do have to kind of keep thinking about what my next shot may be or how can I get shoot it differently. And yeah. it's interesting because sometimes when I approach something, I, there's a lot of things I won't shoot because I can't bring something new to the table. Mm-hmm. So every time I look at some subject that someone's shot and, and I'll go, yeah, I like that. But if I did it, I need to put my spin on it. Yes. And I haven't quite worked out with that subject, how I do that. Do you find that that you try and put your own spin on stuff when you're underwater?
1: Yes. Um We were out on the boat the other day doing topside and on the way back, Darren, well, the next day, he's like, oh, did you get any shots yesterday? I'm like, yeah, I got some shots. I said, but they're topside shots. But there's definitely a niche for really nice topside shots that don't look like everyone else's. Yes. Top, like you're on the SeaWorld boat taking it. And we were like, we were close to the water and, you know, the level was really nice. But then there needs to be that something else, like not just bright sun. I said, I wish it was really stormy or maybe some lightning or something. Like, that. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, would you want to be out in the boat? And I'm like, well, it'll be a really nice picture. Because
0: <laughs> sometimes, the, like I said, the, yeah, sometimes the, the lighting provokes a mood. Mm-hmm. It, it, yes. It definitely, like, and we all react to different light as well like different colors and uh, how you feel
1: well a whale uh well we're out while watching but a a fluke whale is uh it's a fluke and it's noon sun and it's blue water and they all start looking the same unless you're doing an id shot or something and you know how do you put your style onto it but then i don't know if um for me like feedback people give me is like oh you I can tell it's one of your photos, and I'm like, "Oh wow, can you? That's really cool." Because I can, I can look at Darren's pictures, for example, and go, "Oh yeah, I know that's one of his pictures." Yes,
0: and 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 look, that's um, photographers do get to that stage where you can recognise by the picture oh. who the mm-hmm. photographer would be. It's funny. I was at a I was at a function a few weeks ago, and I'd seen a picture had come up. There was a slideshow running. And soon as I saw it, I thought, I know who that is. And then that photographer turned up and said, oh, I just saw one of your pictures. And they said, how do you know it was mine? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, you know, I was really, like, that made, makes me really blush. Like people are, uh, um, It's quite, guess, it's flattering because yeah, you've, you've been. It is. I thought, oh, I have a style. I didn't realise I had a <laughs> I didn't realize because I don't. Well, you don't think purposely.
0: It's... You don't purposely. You don't go. I'm going to be the the photographer that does this. Mm. Your style kind of, I suppose, it it finds you and you yeah. find it and you kind of yeah. Massage. Well, that's
1: that's what I believe. Like there's certain things that uh, I guess your audience has to provide that feedback to you. Like you have this style or, or this thing, but there are you know people that go, well, my style is this. I only shoot like this, and it's like oh. I would find that extra challenging, you know. And you just shoot. What? Um, I don't know what. Something happens in the water that you see something that makes you push that little trigger button down, you know. And that has to. You can't force that to happen because otherwise, there's you got a lot of pictures that that you just yeah.
0: Yeah, and have you found that you've got more selective? How many times you press the shutter now when you're in the water?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, was,
0: yeah, you know, a lot of people when they first start, I mean, it's a, you know, um, pray and spray, and they just
1: <laughs> method
0: way. <where you> just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hope there's something good in there.
1: Yeah, hopefully, and you can tell in their face too. And it's like, well, then you're not um, really absorbing what's happening in front of you, because I yep. think there's a, a lot to that. Just watching, like, take time to watch.
0: Well, you got to study. I mean, there's choose. there's a thing called the decisive moment. Yes, and and that's where you're looking for that. So you're watching, 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 and you and you then somehow intuitively you know this is the time to shoot. Yes, yes. And people ask, how do you get to that? I don't know because I don't, it, <laughs> it, it, I don't think you can train to do that. It's just something you develop.
1: It's something, yeah. I was going to say, oh, maybe when your heart starts racing really fast, then you then you know when to you're <laughs> you're getting close to that moment. But when you're diving, everything's really calm yeah so yeah I don't know when I guess the the animals always i guess when i'm I'm trying to like piece out steps in my mind now, and I guess when you pull the trigger is the last thing to make the picture in your shot would be the subject, so you would set everything else up as much as you can around you, like compositionally, the light coming, and you yep. would just wait. For whatever you're shooting to do, what you want it to do, yep. think, where it's going to fit into the rest of yep. the picture. So, do
0: you sometimes find that the background and wait for your subject to come through? You've set up shots like that?
1: Yes. Yeah, I've set up shots for that. Yep. Yeah. And we, um, in New Caledonia last year, there was this awesome dive. We'd never been there for a dive before, and the dive um, guide was like, oh, okay, I'm going to show you around here, 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 here. And we're like, oh, okay, yep, that's great and as soon as we hopped in i found an octopus yeah i thought this octopus is awesome i just love octopuses and um and then there was another one i was like oh okay i'll watch and this is where we were waiting for everyone else to come down and so i was at first down i was like waiting waiting and then these octopuses started to fight and they started to like one would go over to one and tap it on the shoulder and then run off and hide and change color, and then the other one would come find it, and they were like playing tag, and they were really rumbling around. Yeah. And then the dive guide came along and went, "Okay, we're off, we're going." And I'm like, "No, no this is too interesting. I <laughs> want to watch too this." too interesting. And she's looking at me like, "What are you? Are you crazy?" I said, "There's so many spots I want to show you." And we're like, "No." Nah. And then I looked at Darren and I'm like, "We got two octopuses <laughs> here," and he's like, mm. "He goes." We'll stay here. You can take everyone else around. <laughs> and we spent a lot, the next 80 minutes following these two octopuses around, watching them fight and yep. hide and play tag. And we got some really cool photos and footage and Is, is that unusual
0: behavior for octopuses? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And, again, it's great to be able to document that though, mm-hmm. that unusual because, you know, previously people thought... They might have been a very solitary creature that just kind of kept to themselves, that they didn't interact and that type of stuff.
1: Well, for them to be, normally when I find them, they're in squished in some sort of hole and you only see like a little part of them. But for them to be hiding uh, behind an anchor and a wreath and changing colour and scattering around across the sand, hiding from each other, then finding each other and then climbing on top of each other and... Uh, blowing, one of them kept blowing themselves up to be really big and going bright purpley, and then the other one would like go all white, and they would be just out and about, really fighting for this territory. It was really cool to see. Yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah. uh, again, so that's one of the, I suppose, the uniquenesses of of being in the ocean and and being uh, an underwater photographer. That really, that the shots that haven't been, there's still shots that haven't been shot. Mm. So you've got the opportunity to get those shots that no one else has ever taken.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and then she's like, at the end of it, the dive guy was like, oh, were you guys okay? I said, yeah, that was the greatest <laughs> dive. That was so fantastic. We watched those octopuses. She goes, you just watched like two octopuses for like 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah that was really <laughs> good. I think
0: sometimes people don't don't always always get the photographers and, and sometimes, like I said, it's it's – You'll see something that you just want to kind of absorb yourself in,
1: yeah,
0: and yeah. and and watch
1: and watch, and yeah. And
0: other people just don't don't get it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's different stuff. I mean, obviously, every photographer's at different levels, yeah, with yeah. what they what they're trying to achieve and what they want to get out of the photo. Like you said you were, you mentioned earlier a lot of people. I'll oh, get me with the ray when it's sticking. You know, yeah, it's swims past. I yes. want that shot, <laughs> and that's all they're interested in. Yes, yeah. they're not interested in yes in, yeah. in getting any other shots. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know where that comes from though, because I, I assume that when I started diving, like everyone would be really interested in
0: the reasons for them being in the yeah. water is, is is for the wildlife, It's for yeah. the wildlife. Yeah,
1: but then there are, are some that just really like to swim around and yep. just you know swim around, and yeah, I mean if that's that's what they like, that's well that's what, what
0: that, like. that's yeah. what makes us all unique, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> We all don't like eating the same food. We don't, you know, watch the same type of movies. Yeah. So I suppose it's no different when you get a bunch of people in the ocean diving together that they're all going to be coming from different backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. It must
1: frustrate dive guides a lot because if some people want to stay in one place and some people want to go around and have a look, yeah. Yeah. I guess people like to, I used to um, think, oh, yeah, let's go have a look and check out the spots. But then you're checking out spots. In case you're missing out on some action, like some behavioural action, because you might see a tail sleeping there, and you have to go check out spots. When you come back, it might not be there not, anymore. Not, that's
0: right. It's moved on, I mean, and, and yeah. that's the thing. Like you know, I said before, the you know the ocean, it's a transient kind of population. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. quite often some. I mean, some things are kind of territorial, but yeah. other things. We'll go around. where the food is.
2: Yes, just yeah. follow
0: the food chain around. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Jonathan, it's been fantastic that you've been sharing some of your experiences. Oh, thanks. Where where would people be able to look at some of your stuff? Where where? What type of things are you on? You on the different social oh. media platforms and? Yeah, that of I have
1: stuff. a Facebook page. Yep. Uh, with which is just it's not it's a combination of everything. It's yep. not very oceany. Um, But my Instagram's um, very ocean-y. Yes. Um, And then I have a web page too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And where do you hope to see yourself, say, in the next five years from now, have you thought about what type of images you're going to be creating?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Yes, I would really love to find, I guess, my style or find a way of capturing insects. Okay, yeah. So from really big, I would like to try really small (laughs) Uh, after i i also would like to try and catch like shots of as many whales as as possible yeah um but yeah insects are really interesting they have such really nice colors and all the little fibers on them and textures that would be really cool yeah
0: it is and like i said you do see some some amazing Captures and, and anyone who's shot macro knows the challenges of the shallow depth of field of shooting macro. Yes. <laughs> but these days, those amazing pictures to see all focused stacked.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I saw a picture the other day. I think it had like a hundred layers. Yes. I was like, wow, that's, yeah. that's incredible. A lot yeah. of ded-
0: dedication gone into making that shot. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah.
1: But is it a shot?
0: What's that? Is it?
1: Yeah, is it a shot if it's made of all those made images? of all those images?
0: It's one of those challenges I think with people about post production. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, some people have the idea of post production is cheating,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it's kind of like, especially in the water, like the water clarity. Yeah. Post production allows you to change contrast and stuff. Yeah, after a shot to be able
1: to
0: re- kind of see this detail that you couldn't see
1: oh yeah for sure
0: and without without that post-production like a lot of the shots would not have that pop yeah would they so that's right i I think it's still anything that's focus stacked it's when it's um when people stage wildlife stuff that's kind of and try and pass it off as it's an animal in the wild oh
1: yeah when they do composites of like a uh clear water in the bahamas and then like no, like a Queensland whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's
0: like, I think, yeah. but I think the using techniques where you can't with with the limitation is the camera, the lens, like the mm-hmm. depth of field. So you can't, yes. you can't photograph that insect pin sharp from front to back.
1: Yeah,
0: I think I don't yeah. think it's cheating. I think it's a tool. It's one of yeah. those tools that you can use to, yeah, to enhance the shot.
1: Oh, it's great! It creates so much more detail. Yeah, well, I sure. think it, it,
0: it draws the viewer in more mm-hmm. because um, even though we can with our eye we can look at something and we can kind of scan it backwards forwards and we can see all the detail yeah so when you shoot a photo like that it allows you to do the like you were really there yeah
1: yeah Yeah. so what's
0: what's your next big adventure that you I know it's hard at the moment with COVID, but I think you you're heading off shortly to do some whale watching and
1: Yes, we're on our way to Harvey Bay. Yep. Um and it's really exciting to be to try and get in the water with some whales. We'll see how Queensland does it. Yes. And to be around I guess people we haven't seen for a while. Yeah. But then after that we'll be we've got some plans on going on a a boat actually and going to shoot some of the uh, out at the Swains or on the Great Barrier Reef for a few weeks, so that'd be really, really cool to yeah. be able to get out there. Yeah,
0: fingers, fingers crossed. The world starts to, we we get a vaccine or something happens and we start to get mm-hmm. um, some normality back in.
1: Oh, for sure. Otherwise, after that, we'll probably try and, um, I don't know, maybe we can invent an actual underwater camera, a real one.
0: Yep. <laughs> With some incredible, incredible depth of field capabilities, yes. <laughs> incredible low light capabilities.
1: Yeah, one that doesn't need a housing or anything. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's that's right. You can just jump in the water; you don't have to worry about it. Don't
1: have to worry about it.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, look, thank you again for coming in and sharing that with us today. Oh. And I just hope your your adventures, and we hope to see some more amazing, oh,
1: amazing thanks. underwater shots. Thanks for having me today. It was great. No worries. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. See you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Photo Mission Exposure. If you liked the episode, please leave a comment. Also, you can follow us. Don't forget to tune in to another episode soon. Thank you.